Welcome aboard the Mad Pastors Podcast. Honest pastors, honest conversations. Powered by G6 Allies. You may now feel free to move about the podcast. I'm a little concerned right now about your salvation and stuff. How come you have not been baptized? Because I never got around to it, okay? I don't know why you always have to be judging me. Because I only believe in science. But tonight, we are going up against Satan's caveman. And I just thought it would be a good idea if you... Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Mad Pastors. That's fun. Enjoyed that. <laughs> I'm Ian. I guess. <laughs> well, that's true. And I'm Nacho. <laughs> Not Nacho enjoying it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great joke if you can pull it off right like that's nachos what nacho chips i don't know anyway either way okay. here's what that video that clip nacho libra is one of my favorite all-time stupid movies i think it's funny <clears throat> i could watch it over and over again i that and grown-ups i do like grown-ups that one's good yeah nacho libre First time I watched it, I thought it was dumb. I just, yeah. I did not like it at all. <laughs> and I love stupid movies, but right. for whatever reason, I and I love Jack Black, but that movie mm. did not like it. And then I watched it again because yeah. it was on TV or something, or you made me watch it or something. And, it's probably me. And I was like, okay, that that's pretty funny, but yeah, yeah. it's Michael Michael fishes and hunts in his spare time. Uh, I watch movies and TV shows and things about movies and TV shows. That is my unwinding. Uh, mechanism. I love it. More I love stories you. and movies. Yeah. Well, I feel the same way when you're. I'm good with the movies. Deep and muddy waters. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> good stuff. I, I enjoy the movies. Not so much the movies about the movies, but yeah, solid. Uh, but anyway, all that to say that that clip, I think, does a lot to set up our discussion uh, today. And I mean, it's that even that whole movie capitalizes that relationship. Minus the spandex. <laughs> That's well, maybe sometimes. I don't know. We might get more viewers. <laughs> well, we might lose the ones not, we have. <laughs> not for me. That'll be a real niche audience that we don't want. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen those mad pastors and their spandex? They look good. But all that to say, uh, we're talking about the idea of, and we've been walking through this Barna study. We looked last week on Gen Z is leaving the church. Um, partially, one of the reasons that the study found, and they're all equal, they're not really ranked in most prevalent or not, just right. these things. And it was that we have to put on emotional blinders uh, or, I mean, knowledge blinders and kind of be in a dark hole of, you know, we're overprotective and Church we don't let you think things. Mm-hmm. Well, we had a great comment. And Jenna, if you're watching this, you commented on our last podcast video, please respond to us. We'd love to answer questions and and maybe even do some subject matter on the podcast with you. We love it, whether people disagree or not uh, or agree. We love to do what we can because we exist literally for you. Um, so... Let us know what we can talk about. But today, one of the other reasons that Jen, uh, or tonight, or this morning, depending on what you're doing, um, we're going to be talking about the idea that Barna, the Barna Research Study, explained that uh, Gen Z, 18 to 29-year-olds, are leaving the church 
Why, Mike? Why is number three on this list? Because churches come across as antagonistic to science. Ah, so I only the, believe the in science. The age-old question of science versus faith, and, mm-hmm. and is that actually a versus at yeah. all? And so we'll, we'll talk mm-hmm. about that. But let me just read sure. uh, their synopsis of what this study, the survey, found. They say that one of the reasons that young adults feel disconnected from church or from faith is mm-hmm. the tension they feel between Christianity and science. Yeah. The most common of the perceptions in this arena uh, are or is Christians are too confident that they know all the answers. Uh, That's 35%. Yeah. So more than a third That's a big chunk. Uh, feel that Christians are too confident that they know all the answers. Three out of 10 young adults with a Christian background feel that churches, quote, are out of step with the scientific world we live in. Okay. One uh, one quarter, so 25%, embrace the perception that Christianity is anti-science. Mm-hmm. And about the same number, 23%, say they have been turned off by the creation versus evolution debate. Yeah. And in addition to I've that, I've seen it, more of that one than any other yeah, one in my ministry. To a lesser extent, maybe just kind of more generalized here, they say that research shows that many of the science minded young mm-hmm. Christians are struggling to find ways of staying faithful to their beliefs and to their professional calling in a science related yeah. industry. So, how are, how are young doctors or young scientists keeping their faith? Scientist uh, is such a weird a term for a. Uh, yeah. I think if somebody is a scientist by our definition, they're like, I'm not a scientist. I'm a rocket propulsion expert. I mean, like, <laughs> I just don't know if that gets. It's just a funny catch-all term. But, but I do think you know we were talking about this earlier at length, and uh, and we you know one of the questions and one of the things that I I thought about was, you know, in all of this, is the church. I think largely this problem has less to do with the inadequacies of faith, true true faith, and has very much to do with try the church's attempt to try and make the Bible say things that it was not designed to say by God. So this isn't like, well, men wrote this. There's no God didn't give us. You said it really great in our conversation that God's word gives us the why. And science gives us the how. And those two things are not in contradiction. But, I mean, you talk about Galileo and the Pope and their fight on a a heliocentric universe versus an Earth-centered universe and the fact that he is locked up and jailed while he's a believer. Mm-hmm. Who says you need the you need to study the book of nature and the book of God? And then the Pope is like, no, if the earth isn't flat and the center of everything, we're locking you up. Make my hat bigger. You know, whatever they do. So <laughs> I'm sure that was a real discussion. But <laughs> I'm sure. Yes. But yeah. So to what extent are, you know, the, I think that this is a largely the problem. Are we trying to make the Bible say something that God didn't design it to say? Yeah, I I think that. In addition to that, or maybe maybe more to the point here mm-hmm. of what this study tells me, yeah, I don't think it's so much. And the point of our conversation in this in this podcast sure. is not a creation versus evolution debate, right? right. We're, we're not we're not talking about the finer points of that yeah. of that argument from either perspective. I'm sure there's a lot um, of YouTube on that. You can yeah, well, absolutely. The what we are addressing here is how the way young people have responded to this conversation in the church, to what they are seeing take place in the church, 
and that this is one of the identifiable marks for why they have left the church. Yeah, so absolutely. something needs to change here, and, sure. and if we want to reach these young people, continuing to do what we're doing isn't going to reach them. And so, yeah. um, and this is fair enough. Can be a, this isn't even this can be a perceived problem. Not even sure. an actual problem. I, mean, I think yeah. that that's fair to say, and, too. And th- that- but I think that's what the point of this yeah. study is getting at. It's not a- an indictment on God's Word or even the way we look at God's Word. Yeah. It's an indictment on the people of God and the way the church has responded mm-hmm. to the seeming disparity between faith and science. And sure. So uh, what I want us to do is look at these four main yeah. reasons for why... Uh, young people have left the church, and let's just talk through them point by point yeah. on in in terms of how we as pastors or as church leaders respond to this. What maybe what we need to think differently about how we ought to respond, okay. how we engage young people, so that we can help equip young people to think about this through a faith lens mm. and engage their faith with the ideas of science, rather than put pit it as well, an either or. And young people. Like just to just to clarify, when I hear young people, I immediately think of you young grade whippersnappers. School. Yeah, that's true. But grade school, but but when we say young people, you're talking to eighteen to twenty nine year olds. You're talking about the demographic yeah. that is the church Gen now. Z. The ones that are not headed to the grave at the moment, they are. I mean, technically, we all are. But the ones that are living life now, that are that are building lives and everything that the church should be working to raise and disciple at the moment, and that the older church that maybe is closer to the grave should be pouring their lives mm-hmm. into as well. And so this is your, this is the bulk of your church. And this is important to know. I mean, the church, I think that the the next generation church is, is uh, elementary age kids, teenagers all the way to 35 is the church now. Yeah, and, and it's it's the leadership pipeline of the church. What Absolutely. what we are teaching 18 to 29-year-olds now mm-hmm. and how how we are equipping them, how we're shaping them, how we're preparing them, yeah. how we're embracing their unique perspectives on things that will largely determine what church looks like over the next 30 years. Absolutely. And so we do need to give attention to this. And so mm-hmm. let's jump into these yeah. uh, What's and, number and one? talk about how we can address these issues that young people have said, hey, this yeah. is a problem for me. Uh, the first one, and the most common one, is that Christians are too confident that they know all the answers. Fair enough. So Christians are leaving the church because other Christians, pastors mm-hmm. probably in particular, sure. doesn't say this, but that's kind of the feel I get from it. That or, or the loudest the, church people. The, yes, the, <laughs> those who are leaders in the church are too confident that they have all the answers. They sure. they are know-it-alls mm-hmm. or or they are extremely dogmatic in their yeah. approach and they know that this is what the Bible says and yeah. this is how we have to believe and this is what we ought to do. And these young people are going, well, hold on. I, there's maybe more than one side to every story. Sure. I don't like your approach here. I'm out. Right. Uh, and so I, I think we need to look th- at this a little more closely. Mm-hmm. And one of the key things that we need to think about is how are we presenting the knowledge yeah. that we have, right? Absolutely. Um, there's got to be a, there has got to be, so when we were talking through what should a pastor do if somebody comes to them and they're having an issue with this, or just how we present ourselves in the pulpit and we teach and conduct ourselves in conversations, you know, what do you do when science comes up? And one, a couple of things we talked about is one, take it, you need to have humility. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, you know, I think it's funny if you're a if you're a pastor, everyone's a critic. 
Um, but sometimes if you're everyone else, sometimes it seems like every pastor is a scientist. And so, you know, to, and I'm not, I've just felt that way because you, you preach for a wide variety of life from the pulpit and nothing is, I mean, think about it in your personal life. Nothing is a bigger turnoff than somebody who just immediately thinks they know everything. And, and one, there's a humility there that if you really believe, I would say this from a theological standpoint, from a scientific standpoint, just from an every day to day standpoint, if you think you have the definitive answer on, on everything, on any given subject, subject, then you're a fool and you are not, you're arrogant and fools and arrogant people go together. It's the same, same coin. Um, but my, my statement would be, you will not only limit your ministry. Um, and I'm somebody like that. I love to have a quick answer and to know, and I think about a lot of things, but I have to constantly try and recheck myself to say, eh, I mean, I know everything there. Um, but I would tell you that there's gotta be a humility when you come to the subject, God is bigger and his world is bigger and deep subject is bigger. And in fact, most of the, the most respected people in the scientific community are the ones that have more questions than answers and are willing to say that they, that they don't know. And so I would, I would do it with humility, but the other side of it is, and this is where I think it so much of it does get bogged down in the Gen Z struggle in relational capacity. It is very tempting with good intentions because I don't think let's, let's get rid of the narcissistic pastor and the ones that we see that are in a Malibu house with 10 bedrooms. And let's just, the average pastor is a good guy who loves Jesus Mm -hmm. and aspires to do a noble thing by pastoring people. We talked about that before. Um, but the question there would be sometimes that desire to shepherd and love people becomes an avenue that we think we have to control how they think and where they go. And I would tell you that not only do we stay humble, but in that process of talking, your goal is not to take responsibility for what they think, but to have responsibility for helping walk them down a journey that they have to make decisions on. Yeah. I th- I think that I'm going to I'm going to do a little bit of stereotyping here Uh-oh. and kind of generalization so Uh-oh. Certainly this isn't scientific. Science you scientists might uh scold me for this, but in general, one of the one of the things that I see out of my experience is that gives a little validity to why these young people are leaving the yeah. church. If when you look at these two vocations of scientist and yeah. pastor, right? Um one group pastor they do tend to be very passionate very dogmatic they have strong sure. opinions on how to think how to behave what you need to do and it's like this this is what god's word says yeah. this is how you have to live these are the things you should shun and you know they are very dogmatic and rigid mm-hmm. in their rules the other group scientists they they have their things like that for sure they they yeah. are very convinced of what's in front of them cuz verifiable evidence and all of that yeah. but they they also have so much more inquisitiveness yeah. than a lot of pastors do you know, as a general rule that yeah we don't understand why this works this way mm-hmm. we're trying our best to figure this one out we don't understand this this doesn't yeah. make sense and so we're spending research dollars trying to make sense right. of this right and so if I'm a young person who lives in a culture that is pretty much anti-dogmatic. We, we sure. don't like hard and fast rules. We like to keep options open. Mm-hmm. We like to be softer on our approach to everything. Yeah. When I look at these two groups of a very dogmatic group versus an inquisitive group that is looking for actively looking for answers that they don't know the answer to, sure. um, 
I'm going to go to this one, right? I'm going to go to the, to the scientific one because that seems to fit me and fit my culture a little, a little bit more. And I think that probably kind of goes to, you know, the second one, which is mm-hmm. churches are out of step with the scientific world. It's kind of a that vague, it's, it's kind of a vague it's, statement. It's vague, but maybe that's what they're, what they're yeah. getting at. And so the world that we live in likes to ask questions and mm-hmm. likes to be inquisitive and, and kind of shuns that dogmatic side of things. And, yeah. You know, Kansas had a great lyric to that extent in, in Wayward Son. Carry on, my wayward son. Yeah, where they said, if I claim to be a wise man, mm-hmm. it surely means that I don't know. Wow. Right? Well played. So uh, maybe, you know, the philosophers, Kansas, uh, have, have keyed us into something here that yeah. says... Trying to claim yeah. dogma, even if it's right, mm-hmm. uh, is going to be repulsive to some people. And so a lot of it is the way in which we present it. Yeah. But yeah, it does seem to be out of step. Well, and so for young people, they look at it and go, ooh, something is off here. Philippians and, talks about the idea that as the day, the, the, as our, the last days grow nearer, we should be known for our reasonableness. Colossians speaks of... Uh, speaking in a way that is full of grace and and salt in our speech, which mm-hmm. means, you know, are we speaking? I, I get it as a pastor. That that's my my initial desire, and oftentimes what takes hold is that I want to tell people how to get it done and how to do it and what I've learned, rather than teaching and speaking and having an air about me that is biblical and that how I speak should draw up thirst. It should yeah. draw thirst like salt does, and go, man, that's that's good. I want to hear more. And I mean, we need to be more like amusement parks in that we salt all of our food and make you want to get yes, more drinks. You go buy more expensive drinks. But but it's interesting how I think this out of step, I wonder if this is too, we tend to as believers, and this is, there is a fair amount of hypocrisy in a lot of old school churches where we like to pick and choose our science. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, you know, you can, if you, if you're having a mental problem, well, then don't you take no antidepressants because that's that's not biblical. And then you but you get cancer and it's like, well, use chemotherapy and use all these things that the science provides. Well, and I would sit there and say, well, you know, I heard somebody say, well, Moses, Moses wouldn't have taken an antidepressant. And I'm like, I think Moses and Jeremiah and half the prophets would have been uh, using some Prozac if they could. And, and, you know, I'm not that's not theological, but I think it is practical. <laughs> And we Isaiah walked around naked for three years. He was so forlorn. You going to do that, or are you going to pop a pill? We would lock Isaiah <laughs> up. Uh, so, but but I do think that is another. I think that that doesn't isn't said in this, but I think part of that out of stepness too is that we pick and choose. Um, we pick and choose our science. Yeah. To an extent that I think you know, whereas I do think people worship. So I, I don't even like saying science. That's such a weird way, but scientific study and breakthroughs, they worship that idea as if that will save them and help them, or that is where they find their fulfillment. And I believe, and that is a false end to that means that if I believe that God is the author of his creation, it's a logical fallacy to believe that his creation is ultimately going to go against the rules he created it for. Right. Right. And so you can't believe that. But I think as believers, we got to have a little bit more trust in our God. And I don't think most Believers do. I think if Jesus walked into most churches, he'd get kicked out. And I don't think if it came down to it, I think we trust God 10% with an eternity we can't fathom because that feels good. And then we take 90% of it and we control it mm-hmm. and try and run it. And and if we really believe that God is who he says he is, then I'm okay if Richard Dawkins has good arguments about why God doesn't exist, that I'm having a hard time grasping at times. 
because I can have faith that God is who he says he is and that science will ultimately validate him. But I mean, you look through history, there's not a lot of science that's opposed to God mm-hmm. and to his creation. I mean, we we build that straw man up or people build it up, but science has time and time again. And most of the time, as in Galileo and, and the Pope, right? It came down to the fact that there were arguments on using the Bible to say things it wasn't meant to say because of bad hermeneutics, not because of bad text. And so when they said, well, the earth must be flat and it must be the center of all things because it says the sun rises and the sun sets and they would go through these Psalms. Well, if somebody took your email from your email box and tried to use your discussion of WebMD and how you think something's going to hurt you as a health textbook, they clearly had a bad hermeneutic. Misunderstood the purpose of it. Yes, and that's that's where I think so much yeah. of this that we fall out of step is we have to accept and know that God's creation is going to validate Him, and part of that faith comes in not in blind faith, but in knowing that my God isn't invalidated if something seems to conflict, yeah. and looking at history and saying it has seemed that way at times, and then it's very clear. Poetry and Scripture is poetry. Yeah. Right. Well, what's the next well, one? Well, oh, go ahead. Sorry. The next one. I, I was going to the next one. I figured um, you were rolling in, yeah, yeah. but you confused um, me a little bit. So the next one is that Christianity is anti-science, mm. which really is kind of what this whole conversation yeah. has been about. It's Thanks, It's interesting Barna. that that's a, a, <laughs> its own category here. Yeah. But yeah, to your point, Christianity is anti-science because we always mm-hmm. believed the world was flat and yeah. uh, the, the earth was at the center of the, of the universe and all of these things that science disproved, right? Sure, sure. So science proved the earth is not the center of the universe. Science right. proved the earth is not flat. And yet and then, we didn't see anything in the Bible that said the earth is the center of the universe and it's flat. <laughs> it's it's so not what, in there. And what this has done is it has created this, this false division between the two yeah. that says, well, science yeah. proved faith was wrong. Mm-hmm. Therefore, these two are diametrically opposed to one another. Sure. And and therefore, we ought to always assume they are on opposite ends of the spectrum. And we use faith is okay, but we're going to verify our faith with science, and we're going to use science yeah. as a way to tell us what actually is real, and then somehow we'll fit faith into the middle of that. That's true. And, and so we have, for centuries, that's how we have looked at faith and science, mm. To the point now that it's just kind of second nature to us to think that they're two opposite yeah, things. To assume one excludes uh, the other. When they're not, they they it is the same thing. Right. It's just looking at it from a different perspective. One is asking the question how this works, yeah, or uh, what this does. The other is asking why it works this way and who or what made it work this way. And so uh, I think we as pastors, if we're talking to pastors yeah. who are having this conversation with their church people. One, yes, stay humble. Sure. Ask questions when they allow space for questions to be asked. Yeah. And follow that up with additional questions and have those conversations with them. Um, stay being out of step with science. Make sure yeah. what you're teaching them is relevant and it's sure. and it's applicable and that it makes sense to their lives and it's practical for them. And then here, I would encourage you to say there is nothing in science that threatens the faith. But you you say that. And I want to ask you this because your your specialty um, that you worked on your PhD with and all this has a lot to do with the the scary scientific things that, or at least the things we say are scary. Um, so bioethics and how we. So I, I I used I think that we second nature think 
that somehow man is going to become God. That they're, you know, that like we're always afraid of this next scientific advancement and keep it in check. And, but I, <clears throat> I think one, I think there's a fear of what we're going to discover that it's not faith filled, it's fear filled. And, and if we really believe in practicality that nothing's going to disprove God. But I wonder how much, as I just think through this out loud, as we do, um, I just wonder if you can weigh in on this because to me, it, it feels a lot like the Tower of Babel. Right. And so very ancient idea that man is attempting something and God doesn't say, well, they're going to take me over. But he goes, you know, if they're going to put their minds to disobedience and to do all of these things. And there's nothing that they're going to, going, to, going to do. So I'm going to disperse them and do what I need them to do. And I feel like so often we approach with fear what is the result of divorcing the why from the what, as we've talked about. And when you do, yeah, there's fear in what does stem cell research look like? What do what's what's the issue with abortion, genetic engineering? I mean, the humanity not because they can become God, but because they are. We play with forces, and we are do have a lot of advanced science for this mm-hmm. day and age. My my question, I guess, in all of this is how do we? Is that something? Is that a valid understanding of where we're at? Where rather than us saying, you know, oh, anti this, I think that we come off as anti science when in reality we need to readjust ourselves and say. No, no, no. We need to talk about the morals of what we're doing and understand it. Rather than demonize yeah. a part of science, we need to understand the morality behind it so that we can actually use it in a moral way. There are there are parts that we demonize for sure. And and mostly it's because we're I demonize peeps. We're scared. That's a terrible discussion like of nature. And now we're getting around, you know, when we get to Easter, I just think, why did anybody ever design peeps? Mm-hmm. What science, what voodoo science came into that? But that's yeah. a side note. Uh, so we, Peeps. we do, we do demonize it because yeah. we tend to, we tend to fear things we don't understand, Sure, which is really the whole motive behind science, science. is <laughs> to understand yeah. what we don't understand. Self-defeating. And so science is going to push the limits. Sure. So I don't think Christianity is anti-science at all. Yeah. It's very, it's pro-science. Mm-hmm. Uh, and science, taking that term very loosely, should be pro-faith. Like yeah. These two things complement each other very, very well. Yeah. Uh, but they are looking at it from different sides of the coin. So there is sure. a tension to, to maintain there of one of the things that, that faith does is it does help govern our pursuit of yeah. knowledge. Absolutely. Right? That we, we wouldn't say it's okay to experiment on children to... Right. gain some additional scientific knowledge, mm-hmm. right? We would say, hold on, there's there's reasons we don't do that. Oh, right. And and you don't and you can get to those reasons without faith, right? You don't sure. have to have faith. Faith is is one of the one of the ways in which we can do that. But these things complement each other. Yeah. And what we learn in science can actually amplify our faith. Absolutely. And and it can give us a greater appreciation knowing Knowing how the eye works mm-hmm. and the complexities of what takes place in that and how it naturally <laughs> right. develops and, and micro evolves within a human being as they grow and their, the way vision works, it's mind boggling. Sure. And that should drive us to a greater appreciation and admiration for, for the creation yeah. that God has made. So science amplifies our worship rather than just, oh, I can see. Okay, great. And even seeing how God works within his own rules and creation to bring, when Jesus does miracles, like when you talk about the eye, remember Jesus heals the guy and he says, it looks like a bunch of trees are upside down and walking. Well, it's because if there's a two-part healing there of your eye isn't refracting and flipping. I mean, it's just, it does to understand those mo- those things in science. 
makes me more appreciative of the God who created it. Yeah, so we need to make sure that we are approaching science from that way, that we're not yeah. approaching it from a, well, you know, gene modification mm-hmm. is a is a terrible thing, so I'm anti yeah. that, and, and and maybe it is. And sure. in a lot of cases, I think it is, and some of the, some yeah. of the extent to which we take that is not morally good. Uh, well, and but, I just, but we need to make sure that we're yeah. presenting this to our people in a way that, one, they can understand sure. in a way that is practical and relevant and why this matters to them at all yeah. uh, and yeah. how they can engage their coworkers or colleagues or friends and yeah. family with this conversation where a biblical community can speak into the ways in which our science is advancing and, and the way in which we're learning. I think well, that's crucial. And I would tell everybody listening on either side of this, the faith side, um, or the anti-faith side. I mean, I don't want to say the science side. We're all on that side, but the or we should be. But the but on this side of it is uh, one: stay away from agenda-driven pastors who are just trying to hammer one one side of something. But also equally stay away from agenda-driven scientists and people in general. I don't think it, I think it's just as unhealthy to go to the church where the guy's beating his Bible and saying it must be this way, and the Bible doesn't say anything about that, as it is to go a Richard Dawkins route and decide that your whole goal in science is to disprove a God that you don't think exists. If you really thought he didn't exist and you weren't angry at him, why are you spending so much time with him? Mm-hmm. So, And I, and I, that's an oversimplification. Sure, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of faith and science are not opposed to yeah, each other. Absolutely. But individuals within either camp, if, sure. and I don't even like separating them out into separate camps because right. I do think there are uh, people that have separated the themselves yeah. in different camps. Yeah. Um, there are there are faith oriented people who mm-hmm. are anti-science. Yeah. There are science people who are anti-faith. Sure. And and I think it's a terrible idea for us to build our own belief system on the behaviors or the attitudes mm. or the words of a small group of people from either perspective, Absolutely. right? And so let's not let's not go down that road. But I can tell you that anything that science proves yeah. is not going to be a threat to the Christian faith. Sure. Because the Christian faith is true. Yes. Truth is only going to validate or verify that and we need to so we need to make sure that we're understanding faith and science as complementary of one another absolutely not worried that we're going to explore and discover something in science that's going to disprove faith right and that shouldn't be a concern to be critically thinking enough to understand too that just because someone says a scientific breakthrough disproves their faith that doesn't mean it disproves faith. Right. Like, I mean, that, but I think we hear that, and that is a very quick tendency to your point is somebody goes, Well, I just found out, and I think we need to have the, the pause and the poise to go, Hold on. I don't think that disproves anything, I believe. Right. And, and to move past that. I mean, just, you know, using the, the earth at the center of the universe or yeah. the flat earth. When science disproved that, that, that did not disprove faith. That disproved. Absolutely individuals, most most of the world's uh, understanding of faith. Right. It didn't disprove yeah. the faith itself, right? 100%. And so we need to make sure that we're coming at it with that level of humility yeah. that says, okay, if science does f- discover something empirically verifiable, factual evidence that says my belief system or this particular belief or this part of my belief system uh, is, is false, yeah. then I need to reevaluate that. 
but it's never going to be a type of verification or type of evidence yeah. that says Christianity is wrong. If you're not I, I reevaluating, it's a pretty shallow faith. But yeah. the last one on there is the one that intrigued me the most, and it yeah. was that almost 23 percent, right? 20, yeah, so about a, a quarter have been turned off, <laughs> and it is. It is what we have chosen as, I mean, I think science versus faith is a red herring, but it, this is the red herring we've picked to define the whole argument. And eight, the 23% of 18 to 29-year-olds have walked away because they're turned off by the creationism versus evolution. And this is the one that... By, by that debate. By the mm-hmm. debate. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, to me... This has been the one subject I've dealt with the most, dealing with stu- college students and stu- I mean, because because just as much on the creation or the evolution only side as the creation side, it is fouled up from the beginning with all of it. And, and here's here's why. I would have this is in high schools and in college. I would have kids that would come and say students that would come and say, ah, I don't think I can go to church with you. And I said, why? They go, well, because I believe in cre- er, in evolution. And I said. Okay. I said, why does that mean you can't come to church? Well, because God, God didn't create the world it evolved. And I said, well, hold on a second. I said, let's just talk for a second. I said, did you know there's such a thing as called as theistic evolution? And they went, no. I said, yeah, it, it means that theos, God, evolution. I explained it to him and I said, but, but Christianity doesn't. I said, in fact, the first few chapters of Genesis are comic, look in a commentary. I mean, this is a generally held truth. They are poetic. They're written as poetry, which means it doesn't discount seven-day literal creation. It doesn't discount seven periods Periods. in time of evolution. And I would say, let's let's just look at what Scripture actually affirms. And they said, okay, okay, fine. I said, it believes, one, that God is the author and creator of all things. I said, theistic evolution is fair, that God can be the author of that process. Um, And they're like, oh, yeah, and they would kind of stop. And I said, two... God holds all things together, that it that he is the sustainer of all of creation. Look, I go to Colossians 1. This is the basic premise that Paul cuts through all this for us. And he says, you know what, you know, through the laws of physics, through just himself as the sustainer of the universe, all things holds all things hold together because of him. And I said, so outside of that, we both agree that something's holding all this together because of entropy and it all tends to pull apart, yet it hasn't yet. And because God can be the author of it, I said, you might call it intelligent design, but even science knows enough to say something might have made this. Right. And, and they're like, oh, okay. And I said, the other side of it is, do you believe that everything is broken? That whether it's sex trafficking or, or boy soldiers, or you're just a jerk to people, or I said, something's wrong. And they said, well, yeah, it's okay. That's sin. And I said, we can agree on those three tenets. So why not just come hang out with us? So we also believe that there's an even bigger tenet that there's a God who did all this, who loves you individually as you are. Mm-hmm. And and that would change a lot because at the end of the day, I I applaud the amount of work Ken Ham does to do what he wants to do to be true to scripture. He's the biggest name in seven day creation. I don't think his, I appreciate that he's deep on it. I think that sometimes that kind of stuff fuels it for us though, because we believe that we're scientists in a three hour discussion and there's no room for pushing. And, but on the other side of it too, there's, there's gotta be some understanding. I mean, cause Kim Han's got to take a lot of leaps too, to get where he gets just like science has to take some leaps to get where they get. And so at the end of the day, scripture wasn't written as a science book. It doesn't mean it didn't have anything to do with science, but it was written to explain to us the author of the universe we live in and how he's designed it to work and operate. And I think we get a, we catch a lot more 
flies with that truth, that honey that is truth, than the vinegar of dogmatism mm-hmm. and attack. And even we talked about this, that pastors, I would say that, I'll let you end it, but stop lobbing softballs and yeah. scientific softballs. Like you've got like this one minute, like two sentence quencher that's going to end it. We had talked and you had not seen it, but years, like 10 years ago, Louis Giglio, it's probably going to offend you, but just hold with me and take it or leave it. But uh, at a passion conference, he did this Hubble telescope zoom in thing. And he go, he's sitting there and he's, he's building it up. It's only Louis Giglio can. He's like, and I was looking at the universe and seeing all of this stuff trillions of miles away. And he goes through this thing and he goes, in the middle of the blah, blah, blah cluster, some kind of nebula. He goes, I saw this. And everybody kind of waits for a minute, I think, in the video. It looks like just an X. And he goes, there's a cross at the center of the universe. Jesus is king. And I just, as a believer and a pastor, and I just went, then I had these moments where I went, dude, is anything that looks like an X now in creation, the proof in the, that's the kind of softball that if I weren't a believer, I'd go, these people are nuts. And I just walk off. That's out of step with the world we live in. (laughs) Exactly. And so I've seen that with the T cells in our skin. Somebody takes a, a, a shot and goes, look, these cells are shaped like a cross. Jesus is king. I'm like, my Jesus is king, even if those were circles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So to to end us out, I think I would say to this last one, um, people have been, they're leaving the church Mm -hmm. because they've been turned off by this debate. So presumably then they're hearing this debate in the church and they're tired of it. So they're leaving, right? Right. Which which tells me that some of you pastors are answering questions that no one is asking. Like, yeah, you are giving <laughs> answers to questions that are not being asked. Fair and enough. People don't want to hear it. Yeah. They're tired of it. So, and I know I've been a part of these churches where the pastor has their soapbox. They yep. have their hobby horse that they ride every single Sunday. And it doesn't matter what the text <laughs> is. You know, like we're in John chapter three today and it's about evolution. No, it's not. Yeah. Stop. I get off of the soapbox and just pay oh. attention to the text and address whatever that text is about. Stop oh. beating this we, to We talked horse, about that right? with the Southern Baptist conservatives is like answering the question no one is asking. Yeah. Make Southern Baptists more conservative. <laughs> and so it's I, true. I, I do think that's that's part of why they're leaving because they're yeah. tired of yeah. these conversations that aren't relevant to them. They don't really make a difference to yeah. them. They really don't make a difference to the faith. You, like you were saying, you, yeah. you can have a, a theistic yeah. evolutionary worldview and still be a Christian. It, it's possible. Point of clarification, um, or though. Or you can be a, a seven-day creationist, or you can be a period creationist. You can be sure. an old earth or a young earth. All of those different things. There's room within the to faith to, to explain. Now, I do think some of them have a little bit bigger of a leap to get through. Well, sure. Paul talks about in Romans and original man and Christ following Adam and all uh, all that kind of stuff, but that's right. not the point of today's conversation. That, um, I do. Th- yeah. I think that we need to, as pastors, as church leaders, <laughs> we need to be thinking about mm-hmm. this in a way that's relevant, yeah. that helps people engage their faith, especially young people. That helps them engage mm-hmm. their faith in the world that they live in, the questions yeah. that are coming at them from all angles. How do we interact well, that? How do and, we integrate our faith in that? And to clarify and build your point, don't read this and say. Well, no, it says people are leaving because of that debate, so that means we're losing. No, they're leaving because the debate continues to exist, 
not because they're evolutionists and they want to go. Right. The right. debate is get off of the sub 95% of your church's problems have nothing to do with creation versus evolution. Nobody gives a crap. They care about how God's going to change their lives in the here and now. Yep. But it's a lot harder to preach on that because that requires real pastoring and difficult thought and not copy and pasting something you read off a website. Right. So. And, and, but listen, if, if that is your hobby horse, yeah. We, do a YouTube channel. Yes, do a YouTube channel. <laughs> right. We want you to do that. We need people doing that. Sure. We we need the Ken Hams of if the it's world. Bad, nobody's gonna watch it. Uh, so. That are are yeah. presenting their case for yep. uh, how to help Christians think through these issues. That's very very needed. And so mm-hmm. do that, but don't make your pulpit your YouTube channel. And the way you approach the subject, preach is, the text, yeah. preach the Bible, and all Absolutely. of its counsel that it gives across the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's what we're going to do to be able to help draw some of these younger 18 to 29-year-olds back into the faith. So May your coffee stay hot. And may evolution and creationism be your forte. Oh. Oh, Wait, uh, no, that's not the tagline. I think that's the it? opposite of the tagline. That's, yes. May, may your ministry... May your ministry stay healthy. <laughs> Love you guys. Love we'll you. talk to you soon. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Mad Pastors Podcast. Mad Pastors is powered by G6 Allies, who knows that healthy ministry means having the right team behind you to provide worthwhile tools so ministry doesn't destroy you. If you'd like to partner with G6 Allies, here's a couple of ways you can do it. One, you can rate, subscribe, and review this podcast so that as many people as possible can get the same help and encouragement that you're receiving. You can also visit g6allies.com partner to see how you can financially partner with us. G6 Allies is dependent on viewers and listeners like you to support our ministry across the nation. If you have any questions or would like to contact the Mad Pastors for any reason, you can contact us at hello at g6allies.com. We'd love to hear from you.